1: But publicans are concerned about government plans to liberalise licensing laws. The bill would get rid of the provision whereby anyone seeking to open a pub must buy a licence from an existing licence holder. Uh, we're joined by Paul Flannery uh, from the Vintners in uh, Limerick uh, and uh, also Sean Lally uh, who uh, runs the Hotel Woodstock in Ennis and uh, you're both very welcome. Uh, Paul, um What's the key concern for you and other publicans around this liberalising of pub licensing laws?
0: Good morning, Joe. How, How are you? Are you? Uh, I suppose, firstly, uh, we, we were welcoming the, the review of the sale of alcohol bill because there's a lot of laws and bylaws in, in place from the 1800s, so it had to be reviewed and, over, and and overseen because it was just completely outdated. The main issue around the deregulation of the licences and where you have to extinguish a licence to open a new licence is that uh, the minister seems to think that just by throwing licenses at, at the industry, it's going to revitalize the industry, where it's actually going to do the complete opposite. It's going to kill the industry in many areas of the country. We're seeing time and time again over the last couple of years, pubs are closing because the, the, the business isn't there. The whole drinking culture is changing. The transport links are not there in certain areas of the, of the country. So people just can't get to and from the pubs before or afterwards or even the following morning where they get into work and they're worried about actually going out for a few drinks the night before so they're they're not going out the night before so by simply throwing licenses at it is it's just it's not the answer and i think they they partly know it by the fact that the they're not bringing this law into place for the off trade it's purely for the on trade so the off trade will remain in place where you have to extinguish a license to renew a license whereas they want to just completely open carte blanche, open to everybody for the the on-trade.
1: Right. So so the off-trade, by that, for the listener, you you mean off-licences, is that right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. But this relates to to pubs, the pub you go physically into and sit there and have a drink. The only thing is, wouldn't you and many others have had a concern over recent years about pubs closing, about them not being viable at all? So surely the idea of lots of different people applying for licences is a non-runner anyway, whatever is done with liberalising the laws.
0: Yeah, it's like, listen, I think over the last couple of years, um, people have realised that they need to have a business, that, that, that's a viable business where they can actually make a living out of it. I think the dreaded word COVID... Showed an awful lot of people that some of the businesses were not viable. They were actually working twelve, fourteen hours a day, but they, they basically at the end of the day they weren't actually making money because their operating costs were were outweighing out their, 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 the money they were actually making through through over the counter every day. So it's it's not the answer. Um, we're seeing people struggling because of for, for various reasons. And one of the but I suppose
1: the point I'm trying to make is you know regardless of whether they liberalise or not, won't the market decide here?
0: It will, it will over time, but what happens in the meantime is what's real concerned because we've got a lot of well-established pubs across the country operating and trying to get back on their feet and, and, and do, doing a good job. But if you simply throw licences at it, I think you can see with the, the taxi deregulation where we are at the moment now, you can't get licences because it's not an attractive industry to come into. So, when you, but it's not an attractive industry to come into. Mm. What comes into the industry will come in right. in the short term. But, and but the, the minister,
1: is giving you time, isn't uh, she? Because it's is it twenty twenty six before this comes in?
0: Well, it's not actually coming in at the moment. It, it, it hasn't been finalised. Um, so the VFI but that's and, the proposal, yes, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the proposal at the moment. And the VFI and the LVA met with the Aractus committee yesterday. To voice their concerns, so a uh, report will be going back from the Arachas to the minister to, to feedback those concerns.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Paul Flannery from the Ventures in Limerick, an owner of Flannery's Bar, as I mentioned from Hotel Woodstock. And then as Sean Lally is on uh, with us, and he knows the business and uh, tourism and hospitality scene in Limerick very well too. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Joe. What's your sense of this, and what may happen as a consequence?
2: Well, it's very similar to Paul. I welcome the review of the licensing laws because a lot of them are completely outdated and, and years old with no relevance to modern society. And I think we've moved on a long way from there. Can court. you give me just
1: a, an example or two of that? Because again, you know, non-experts like myself might know what you mean by the ones that you agree are totally outdated.
2: Well, well I suppose we've moved on a long way from the world-famous court case in, in Limerick back in 2010 when Munster were playing Leinster on, on a Good Friday. And, and, uh, we were given a special exemption for, was a, a number of miles, uh, from Toman Park. You know, so th- that obviously has, has, has changed a, a number of years back. Uh, to, I'm a little bit biased, Joe, because it was brought up in a, in a pub in rural East Galway, in a rural location, which is now closed. And unfortunately, a lot of pubs have closed since 2005. I think there's about 1800 pubs actually ch- uh, closed and we probably still are over-pubbed. To me, the pub is actually like the centre of the community in a lot of places, in particular in rural Ireland. And wearing the tourism hat, it is so, so important uh, for tourists because that's where they interact with the locals and that's what a lot of people come to Ireland for. And we hear time and time again about the the friendly Irish and, you know, a lot of that banter and and fun takes place in the pubs. I think a lot of publicans are just hanging on by their fingernails, you know, they're more closures, Christmas uh, of a number of well-established pubs. Because right. but, but I suppose again,
1: I just go back to, the, to what seems like an obvious enough point that if the industry is in that much trouble anyway who's going to get in it, even if licences are handed out willy-nilly?
2: Yeah, you're right there, Joe. That's a good point. It, the only attraction maybe, if there was a particular uh, part probably in cities that uh, didn't have enough pubs to, to service the local uh, area or local population uh our places have seen a big expansion over the last number of years. You may see people go in there. Uh but it's probably very unfair then on publicans that have bought licenses. Uh, I think the value is something like sixty five thousand. Now Paul probably knows more in that space, uh of, of a license, you know, that was double that a number of years ago. So it would be a little bit unfair on them. You are you are right though because, you know, in rural areas I can't see anyone uh jumping up to, to take over a pub because a lot of publicans have actually to take second jobs uh, just as right. A lot of Actually, doing it as a hobby. You know, with a lot of elderly publicans out there, they, you know, they're, they're using it as a kind of a pastime and a kind of a social outlet for themselves as well. and may have closed for the, the, some of the weeknights and, and just opening at weekends because it's no longer kind of a mm. viable and open
1: yeah, well, I mean, Owen Curry, who writes on tourism and uh, well-known around the country, uh, agrees with your analysis, Sean, says there's an entire segment of our tourism industry that's built not just on the pub, but on the rural pub. Anything that kills the rural pub or damages it and makes it less sustainable is bad for tourism. If we're going to make life more difficult for rural pubs, let's think of what we're going to do to replace it from the point of view of the unique character of the rural tourism product uh, he said. But Paul Flannery I mean it sounds like from what Sean is saying that you may not get extra competition through liberalisation in rural areas but is it that in cities people will take a punt and throw a pub up beside your one for example?
0: yeah you could you could have that coming up and it, and it may or may not work, but even in the cities uh, you 're seeing a number of pubs are are closed Monday, Tuesday Wednesdays, even now they were open full time over to Christmas, but uh, they 're gone back to, because the, the business just simply isn 't there. And just touching on the the tourism point um, that Sean mentioned there, like the, the the vintners and and the VFI and the, the LVA have applied to the, the government um, for to look for world he, uh, heritage status for for through UNESCO for the Irish Pope because the value it has to the uh, the culture across the city or country. Um, so it's it's seeing you're seeing in Paris the the, the the ordinary bistro cafes have also they're a bit further down the line in terms of applications uh, for uh, through UNESCO status for for their cafe culture. Um, so we're looking for something similar in terms of the intangible value that the the Irish pub brings to the community as a whole.
1: Yeah, I, I was in um, a pub over Christmas early enough, you know, or six o'clock or whatever it was, and I suppose I got a sense myself because. To be honest with you, like, it looked overstaffed to me on the evening, but that's because I was there early. So obviously shifts start when they start, and it would have got busier as the evening progressed. But I was thinking, jeepers, this publican still has to pay these people, and there was at least four of them holding up the bar at one stage.
0: Yeah, I suppose isn't that that's that's down to just the, the staffing measures, and you you can't just bring people in for the busy periods and let them off. You have to bring them in for a. a but
1: you have to year. pay you have to pay them for the whole lot, though, don't you? A-
0: absolutely, absolutely, and you also have to turn on the lights and the heat, and and you can't just turn it on with people and the crowd comes in that has to be on for for well and events that. So so the operating costs have increased dramatically. Mm.
1: Uh, do you have a, a sense that you'll be listened to here, and that as you say, there's a back and forth going on around this proposed legislation right now?
0: I really do hope so, Joe. I know Helen McAtee herself comes from a pub background, so I hope she does realise that just simply by throwing licences at at, at the sector is not the answer. We need to look outside the box and look at the options available in terms of transport links and everything associated with with, um, the the, the pub in in rural areas in particular, so people can get to and from the pub safely and not worry about the following morning as well. So there's a number of different factors. So simply throwing licences at the pub sector is not the answer and we're seeing that in other sectors like the the taxi industry.
1: Yeah. Uh, One other thing Sean, just to give you a chance uh, Sean Lally from Hotel Woodstock to respond to it and that is we were talking uh, during the week to travel agents and the issue around the domestic tourism market versus the um, week-long holiday to Spain or whatever, you know, winter or summer came up and they both felt that They were fans of the domestic scene, they said that, and that, you know, for the short trip or the overnight or all the businesses that uh, hotels do, but that they really do feel that people felt stung when they had to stay at home, and that they just think they're getting better deals by going abroad.
2: Well, I suppose the cost of doing business in Ireland, Joe, is a lot higher than if you compare to Portugal or Spain. In in every aspect, in terms of serving food and drink, in terms of staffing, uh, insurance, Everything, the rates, everything is much higher here. And there was a lot of uh, talk last year about the high rates that were being charged in Dublin, which were wrong. And in my in my view, it was price gouting, in, in a lot of cases, that was wrong. But to be fair to a lot of properties around the country, a lot of them are family-run. No, they didn't get into that price gouting. They offered good value. Now, obviously, there was three years of stored up events there this, um, in the last year so there would have been huge demands for Friday and Saturdays. But if people were to look at like, Sunday to Thursday, you know, they would get better value in a lot of cases and, and book direct with hotels. Yes, it has definitely got more expensive than it was a number of years ago. But like the cost of, you know, food, drink, you know, linen, the bedrooms has all gone up 40, 50, 60%. So... And you know,
1: uh, can I just ask, is that one cost of cost? your big tips that you go on the hotel website, you book directly with the hotel?
2: If you look at what we call OTAs, the likes of Booking.com and Expedia, they are fantastic facilities. You know, but in a lot of cases, people just use them for research and didn't talk to the hotels directly because you're paying in the region of 15 to 20% commission to these agencies. So a lot of hotels, uh, in our case, for example, would always be 15% cheaper than an OTA, as we call them. You know, okay. And a lot of hotels would operate that policy, so it is mm-hmm. always better. And if you're booking a group, call the hotel. Call them and, can and, go to
1: you. and the government did indicate very briefly that they would not go for the cliff edge uh, over the next month when a lot of measures are due to run out at the end of February and they said they will be looking at avoiding that. So presumably you are hopeful that the 9% VAT rate will be left to the hotel industry.
2: I was very encouraged when I heard Leo Riker use those boards because you know we don't need a, an increase of 50% in the back because remember it's not the hotel that actually pays it. this; it's the customer when you're going out having coffee a tea a sandwich a lunch a dinner an overnight stay you know you're paying the additional 4.5% uh, that will go on, which will only fuel inflation. And I don't know anyone, in yeah. any customer, who wants to pay more for those facilities.
1: Okay, okay. Well, listen, thank you both very much for that. We'll see how the pub licensing uh, proposed legislation develops. And uh, you heard there from Sean Lally from Hotel Woodstock in Ennis and Paul Flannery from the Vintners in Limerick and owner of Flannery's Bar.